Thanks for listening to this Word in Your Ear podcast. If you'd like to get early access to all our productions ad-free, priority booking for our live events, and to take part in our weekly quiz, go to patreon.com slash wordinyourear for more details. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. You're listening to a podcast from The Word. We're rolling. So, Stagwaddy Game, am I going first or are you going first? Well, you go first. Go on. Okay. I thought in this week that has seen uh, the biggest white riot in, uh, you know, in recent years, we should do something that was rooted in that part of America, okay? We're, we're talking about the flyover states of America is largely what we're talking about here. Yeah. And what I want you to do is to tell me whether these names are names from Billboard's top country stars of 2019, or are they Republican senators? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> are they from Billboard's top country stars of 2019? Really? Republican or senators or country or stars? Republican senators. Okay. Here's the first name. Go on. Blake Shelton. Blake Shelton. Is he... Billboard's top country stars of 2019, or a Republican senator? That's so good. That is I, I'm saying a senator. I don't know why, because I think I might have read about him, but I'm probably completely wrong. I'm saying a senator. No, he's actually, his recent albums are called Starting Fires and Blake <laughs> Shelf Bar and Grill. He's, <laughs> he's uh, from Ada, Oklahoma, and he's engaged to Gwen Stefani. Okay. okay Number brilliant. two, Martha McSally. Martha McSally. Is that one of Billboard's top country stars of 2019 or a Republican senator? She's got to be a senator, surely. She is. She's a senator from Arizona who opposes limits on gun sales as unconstitutional. Okay. <laughs> next, next one. Here we go. Is this one of Billboard's top country stars of 2019 or a Republican senator? Rand Paul. Rand Paul. Country star or senator? That's a brilliant... Is Rand short for Randy? I suppose it is. And Randy in itself is short for Randolph. <laughs> Aren't American names extraordinary? Rand, I'm saying Rand's a senator. I, I just, again, I, I literally don't know. He is. He's a senator from Kentucky <laughs> who said recently, I don't want my guns or my marriage registered in Washington. OK, next one. This is good. Cody Johnson. Cody Johnson. Is he one of Billboard's top country stars in 2019? 
or is he a Republican senator? Well, entirely because it sounds <laughs> it sounds Southern states, and it has echoes of Commander Cody and his lost planet airmen. I'm going to go for country and western, but I really, I, who knows? Go on. Yeah, you're right. Actually, his albums include Six Strings, One Dream, and Cowboy Like Me. He comes from Sevastopol, Texas, and he holds the attendance record for the Houston Livestock and Rodeo. Okay, <laughs> moving on. That's a brilliant statistic. That's great. Ke- Kelly Leffler. Kelly Leffler. Billboard Top Country Stars in 2019 or a Republican senator? Kelly has got to be a musician. I don't know why. There are so many kind of country and folksy musicians called Kelly. She's got to be one of them. Am I right? No, she was a senator from Georgia until she lost the election the last week. And, uh, and when asked about the Access Hollywood tape of Donald Trump, she said, I'm not familiar with that. OK, I'll give you one more. Let that's me... a brilliant answer. That's like, that's like, you know, that's like football managers who say, I didn't see I the didn't penalty, see but... I absolutely, I absolutely didn't <laughs> see it. OK, Tom Tillis. Tom Tillis says that a Billboard Country Star of 2019 or a Republican senator. Tom Tillis. Tom Tillis is a is a is a Billboard star. He's a he's he's a, he's a country western star. He must be. No, he's not. He's a senator from North Carolina in favour of guns being carried in restaurants and parks. There you go. <laughs> in favour. That's fantastic. In favour. Actually, not against it. In favour. You're encouraged. You're frisked to make sure you've got a gun before you enter the restaurant. Yes, particularly children's restaurants and park play areas. Well, how about that? That's absolutely brilliant. So that's my... Those are so good. I love the expression flyover states. It's brilliant, isn't it? And, of course, in the flyover states now, there are a lot of uh, people who are aggrieved to find that uh, while they, uh, you know, were inviting and courting publicity when they broke into the Congress <laughs> building, parading around with their horns and stuff, you know, they're now horrified to find that they've been tracked down by the FBI at home, haven't they? And they're about yes. to be prosecuted. And, and, uh, yeah, fi- wrong? Finally having their furry collar felt, you know. <laughs> Never expected that to happen. I know. I know. What are the chances? I, I like the fact that that uh, both Jamiroquai and Badly Drawn Boy both <laughs> posted stuff. I don't know if you saw that because yes. uh, you know, the, the the kind of the, the the kind of gang leader appeared to look exactly like Jamiroquai, and uh, there was the guy who stole the the, the lectern, the stand. The guy was taking a stand, indeed. Yes. The guy oh was. God! I know. I know. It was have uh, you have you ever been to the Capitol? Have you ever no, been I haven't. The, I went around the Capitol building with Ken Sharp many years ago. We were over there doing John Hyatt for, for Q, I think. Oh, yeah. And uh, we had a couple of days and we went, we went around the White House. You could, you could go around the White House in those days. And we went in the Capitol. And I'm, I'm English, you know. I, I, I'm not, not an American bone in my body, whatever. But when I went in the Capitol, it is genuinely awesome. It is. You, you know, you behave with respect in the Capitol, no matter where you come from, you know. So... What struck me about the footage was that nobody was struck by awe at all. You know, it was all a bit of a lark, wasn't a it? Lark. Let's get into Nancy Pelosi's office, put our feet on the desk and, and have a selfie taken. Yeah. Anyway. Oh, it was astonishing. So, look, Stack Waddy, do you want mine? Yeah, go on. OK. Now, do you remember... I hope this isn't too obscure. I don't think so. Uh, do you remember the, the uh, flame-haired Californian harpist, Joanna Newsom? Oh, right, okay. With a penchant for slightly fay and food-related song titles. <laughs> now, keeping her in mind, are you prepared to play Song by Joanna Newsom or Vegetarian Restaurant in Brighton? 
Okay. It's really, so it's either a Joe Indonesian song or it's the name of a restaurant in Brighton that sells it's vegetarian just, and vegan food. It's, it's Brighton, isn't it? You know, because Brighton. No, afraid, I went for Brighton. Clearly, Brighton. clearly there are more vegetarian restaurants There's a lot in Brighton, Brighton than there are chemists nowadays. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure there are literally every corner. Okay, carry on. Right, okay, number one, Sprout and the Bean. Sprout and the Bean. Is that a song title or is that the name of it? It's vegan by Vegan Fair. It's a vegetarian restaurant in Brighton. It's not. It's a track from, from the Milk-Eyed Mender album. It's their first record, I think. Okay. Right, next one. Clam, Crab, Cockle, Cowrie. Uh, that's one of her songs. Do you know it is. It's <laughs> also a song from Milkite Milk Mender. Okay, next one. Uh, the Almond Tree. That's a vegetarian restaurant in Brighton. Correct. This little gem is not even a 10-minute walk from Brighton Station. It's a hearty a, vegan cookbook. I, I can tell you exactly where it is right now, actually. I know I know that bit of Brighton. Anyway, You've probably eaten in the Almond Tree. I don't know, not me. No. Not me. <laughs> okay. All right. Is this, uh, is this a, a Newsome song title or is this a vegetarian restaurant? Root Candy. That's that is uh, Joanna Newsom song. No, if you go to 105 <laughs> Western Road, you'll find Brighton's Western best plant-based and vegan restaurant. There you are. <laughs> <laughs> it's good, isn't it? It's getting worse. Very good. Very okay, good. plum. Sorry, peach plum pear. Peach what? plum pear. Oh, it's a children's book, isn't it? Each peach pear plum. Um, peach plum pear. Uh, that is a, ve a vegetarian restaurant in Brighton. No, it's a track from Milk Eyed Mender. Again. <laughs> okay, we've got two or three to go. Goose eggs. Oh, good grief. Uh, uh, Joanna Newsom song. It is. It's a song yeah. from a diver's album. Bay Leaf. That's a vegetarian restaurant in Brighton. Yeah, it is. It's our extent, 49 St. James Street. Our extensive menu contains specialities from all regions of India, specialising in tandoori, korai, and fish dishes. Very good. There you are. A petit pois. Petit pois. Petit that, pois. That is a vegetarian restaurant in Brighton. It, it is. located in the famous South Lanes, a French tapas-style formula, <laughs> and offers something a bit different in the city with lots of dining options. You so there you are. You did. Bro. I would say uh, on the in the main, you won there. Actually, oh, it works, doesn't it? It it's works. Good. It's and I loved yours. So topical. It's brilliant. It's fantastic. <laughs> so, so what else is happening? I have to say, I do. What I woke up this morning and uh, I, I, I. Do you know? It's just amazing the, the 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 treasures of YouTube. I don't know how I found my way to it, but you know, every single musician who for years used to hide from journalists and people who asked them questions about their past or records they once played on, whatever. Now, now are just taking to YouTube. You know, they'll say, take to Twitter. Take, that's right. <laughs> he took to Twitter. Take to the sofas. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> taking to YouTube and uh, getting their nearest and dearest to put those same questions to them. And so you can find just anybody you know, talking about their life and their career with varying degrees of interest. Uh, Pacers in point, this morning I found Bobby Whitlock. Bobby Whitlock, you oh, remember? Right. Yeah, was Derek and the Dominoes. The yeah. singer of Derek and the Dominoes. Yeah. Co-wrote, later, I think he's, I think he probably has some part of it, 
member of Delaney and Bonnie and, you know, yeah. all, those, all those kind of acts. And he seems, pal, he, he? he seems a really nice chap, looks quite well-preserved, you know, in his, his early 70s. And he's interviewed in these clips by his wife, OK? Now, we never see his wife. She's behind the, you know, the camera, whatever, putting the questions to him. But I'm saying she's about 20 years younger than he is, OK? Yes? I think she came along slightly later in the picture, yeah? And you can tell this... It happens. Yeah. <laughs> it happens with rock stars, huge, huge amount yeah. of time. And you can, tell, you can tell this is whole thing's being orchestrated by his wife because in each clip, and there are many clips, and they're all about different parts of his career, he's wearing a slightly different shirt or top, okay? And clearly his so she's wife... Stars. You're, you're not going wife. on YouTube dressed like that. <laughs> I mean... No, you know, we've all kind of been there a little bit, haven't we? You know, yeah. I, my wife is not beyond saying, you're not wearing that, are you? Oh, good okay. Lord, no, that's absolutely you know, standard you've procedure. Got a, you've got a nice shirt in the drawer yeah. that you never wear, you know, because... Yeah, I appreciate that too. And, <laughs> and need it. Anyway, so she's always got him in a slightly different top, as if he's going out for a lunch party yeah. nearby where they live in Nashville or whatever. And it's always shot in a slightly different angling, what is clearly their lovely home. So there's always a crackling log fire or a very endearing dog in the background, you know. Now, it's a good job those details are there because Bobby Whitlock has no business telling stories because either he can't remember or he can't put together a narrative about anything at all. So I sit there. This is riveting. I'm going to have to watch this. Well, you would have to. It watch. sounds absolutely captivating. Can it be as bad as you're making out? <laughs> no, it's not, I'm not. It's not that terrible. I just wanted to make a contrast yeah. here, because Bobby Whitlock doesn't remember stuff and can't tell stories. Contrast that with the other person who I was also watching videos of this morning, whose video I actually sent to you to watch. I saw it. Yeah, it's fantastic. It's of course, James Taylor, and James Taylor has been interviewed millions of times and is incapable of being boring, ever. He's always got something to say. And he's so sweet-natured too, isn't absolutely he? Absolutely. So likeable. So and, modest. And this is done on his website. I'm sure you'll find it on... Well, look at James Taylor channel on YouTube, you'll find it. And I think it was called Fantasy Flashcards, this, uh, yeah. this little format that they'd obviously cooked up. So it's like the old... Um, it's like the old personal file in Smash Hits, you know, Cheers. whatever. It's kind of... What know, colours to use? Describe yourself in one word or whatever. You know, There's some good Smash questions. Like, if you had a warning label, what would it be? It's a really good question, I think. His and was, he, don't engage this man in a political conversation, which is a great uh, answer. And uh, what did he say What did he say about uh, what advice would you give the 21-year-old yourself? You know, he said, uh, he said uh, don't have children until you're let, ready to settle down. Don't go into Avoid debt. a major drug habit. Avoid a major drug habit. Yeah. And don't go into debt. And he just puts himself over so well. Anyway, the thing I, I, I thought was worth sharing with, with people listening to the podcast is he's asked about, has he got any tattoos? Oh, that was my favourite bit too. It's fantastic. And that leads him into quite a long answer, actually. It's a fantastic Because he immediately, he's not one of the people who goes, mm, let me think. He goes, no, instantly, front of mind. He said, yes, I had a tattoo in 1968. I was in London with my sister, Kate, isn't it? Yeah, Kate, yeah. And they must have been at a party, and they met somebody who had a tattoo. And Kate said she would like a tattoo. And the guy said, 
And I just thought it was so interesting because the light it threw on how different London was in 1968. But also, actually, having a tattoo was a sort of rarity then. It was. You saw someone tattoos, wow, where did you where, get that? Which is which was you, his question, wasn't and it? And also, you know? also, you couldn't get one in London. You no. know what I mean? You couldn't get one in the bohemian areas of London where currently you can't move for tattoo art. So this person advised them to take the car and, and go and drive out to Aldershot. I love, yeah, he said, he said it took him two and a half hours which I don't, I don't think. As I come from just next to Aldershot and know all about it, it's not actually that far. But the interesting thing is that Aldershot is the home of the British Army. There you go. So that's the reason that it's there a garrison two town. Parlor. It's a he garrison says, town. He says, here's the address. Go to this arcade. And it's full of, full of fascinating little details. It was closed for lunch. Yeah. The idea in 1968, you had to drive for two hours to find a tattoo parlor, and then it would be closed for lunch. Yeah, You're lucky it wasn't Wednesday, would have, which would have been half day closing. Of those exactly. <laughs> anyway, the guy comes back. She asks for the tattoo, and he explains that he doesn't tattoo women unless their husbands are in attendance and, and the husbands sober. are sober. <laughs> That's an amazing detail, isn't it? And, uh, and them by saying he had his passport, didn't he? His passport proved that they were brother and sister. And I think he had to agree to have one too, didn't he? Or whatever, because he did have one. So he said, as long as I have one and she can have one, and they both have his little tattoo on their shoulders. It's a really touching story, isn't it? I thought, God bless James Taylor. You know, I've seen James Taylor a a bunch of times, and he's always got something new to say because he just takes an interest in the world around him, and he doesn't forget details at all. Whereas Bobby Whitlock you know, was there when Layla was composed and can't remember anything about it. Probably can't. (laughs) Anyway, everybody, all your favourite rock stars, no matter how obscure, are all out there on YouTube telling stories. Go and look them up. But only only after you watch this. The Word Podcast. Prime cuts of popular culture served fresh each week. So Bob Dylan pinched her bum. You're going to tell me about that later. Anyway, no, it's, yeah, seriously. Um, so it's we were talking about uh, it's fifty years since nineteen seventy one, which I, I really should write a book about. You should and, write a book about, Dave. It's and, very, uh, very popular. I should particularly focus on this week in nineteen seventy one, because that's when Neil Young uh, played at Massey Hall in Toronto. Have you ever heard this record? This is uh, yes, I have. Yeah, and it was uh, he was. Uh, Absolutely had a kind of peak, wasn't it? Didn't they put an extra show on? There was another show at 6.30 in the evening. Oh, they could could have, yeah. So when he did that, he'd already done one before him, which is astonishing, really. And uh, this was in a bootleg for years, but was put out a few years ago, and it's it's really good. I mean, it's just the the peak period of kind of Neil Young productivity, it strikes me, (laughs) because he'd he'd put out um, After the Gold Rush the previous year, and then he started touring. And while he was touring, he was writing the songs that would be uh, and recording the songs that would be ha- harvest and so it's amazing I, li- I was listening to this yesterday afternoon and it, you know, it's got tell me why old man my needs are made cowgirl and sand don't let it bring you down you know uh, the needle and the damage done ohio and all this and the amazing thing is i mean apart from the fact it's a really good concert and he's you know how old is he i don't know about 24 or something like that but he wrote uh, all those in about six months. He wrote them in, in yeah. weeks, really. Yeah. You know, Incredible. It, uh, on the road, even he remarks upon it. You know, in the in the 
chat. He says there's not going to be many old songs. And by old songs, he meant from the record that came out the previous yeah, year. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah, we've moved uh, on from After that. the Gold Rush, where, where that, that's kind of gone, really. I'd like to play these new ones because I've been writing a lot of new ones. And, of course, you, you hear the amazing sound of it. You know, he introduces the needle and the damage done and explains what made him write it, you know. And uh, he he plays Ohio, and people don't know what it is. You know, it's the idea. It's so alien to the kind of contemporary concert-going experience where, you know, everything that people play is immensely familiar, you know, and everybody has a kind of pre-programmed response to it, you know, don't they? But also, but also, I, I, you know, we've often had this discussion about about when did when did whoop culture start? You know, the kind of audiences feel that they have to advertise the, the fact that they recognise every reference by whooping. You know, saying, "I got that. I recognise this tune." Yeah, I'm more I, of a fan than you are. I'm more of a it's fan. The same than as you wearing are. the old faded T-shirt from the <laughs> with the tour dates from ten years before, isn't yeah. it? Well, I think that's where it started. I think if you go and listen to this record, you can hear the first signs of when he when he mentions anything, any place in Canada, the audience go, woo, and they oh, applaud, great. you know. I'm they, Canadian we're too. Canadian. Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. kind of uh, you know, we're all we're all fulfilled. But it's a fantastic record. It really is worth hearing. And of course, you know, I was I was nudged to uh, to listen to it again by the fact that it's 50 years since. He did that concert. And he sold his catalogue, didn't he? He, he sold 50% of his catalogue yeah. catalog, because we've been tracking this over previous weeks. The other uh, the other people who, who sold their catalogue, uh, Stevie Nicks, well, Bob Dylan. Um, and uh, so Neil Young's the latest sell 50%. But um, it's just, I thought it was interesting. I read about that and it was saying that Merck Mercuriadis, isn't it? The guy who runs yeah, yeah. Uh, um, the company who bought it, um, Hypnosis, has said that they're, they're having a very respectful uh, uh, attitude towards his the half catalogue they bought and it will not be used for advertising. Because, of course, famously, he, he, remember this note's for you. Yeah, the quote yeah. that where he says, I ain't singing for Pepsi, I ain't singing for Coke, et cetera, et cetera. He's kind of, and he, it was a quote about Heart of Gold. It was said there'll never be a kind of, uh, you know, burger of gold advert, you know. But it made me think, um, I, I don't know, it made me think, I wonder how you can police that, really. Does that mean they still have to get his permission to, even though they own it, to 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 decide where well, they put I that catalogue? Oh, I don't yeah. really know. I, but I, also, I, it made me think that you're going to hear more and more of those old catalogues because people have got a real incentive to work them. You know, if you don't, you know, contemporary musicians are sitting back waiting for the film company to get in touch and say, we're thinking of using this on a soundtrack, is that okay? Whereas in this case, you know, these people who bought the Fleetwood Mac catalogs, Dylan Cullen, they're working them because they've spent hundreds of millions of pounds that they need to recoup. Mm. Don't you think? So there's going to be... But it's also one of the explanations that I was reading this week for this boom is is streaming because yeah. streaming means that everybody has got access to all to everything all the tunes and therefore people play old neil young songs or old beatles songs a lot more than Far they would, more than they would. They, if they had they had they had to had go and buy it exactly that's a different thing you know yeah, yeah. there you, you just play them and let wash it all over 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. You. But I tell you what, just moving slightly to the to the, the right of this is this story about Tracy Chapman and and Nicki Minaj. Oh, I the, saw that. The, yeah, the sampling that Tracy Chapman is a, I think it's three hundred thousand pounds or something like that. She's been paid to, to kind of settle this case out of court over uh, <coughs> over a Nicki Minaj track that was closely based on a on a Tracy Chapman song from Well from no but it was she found out it wasn't doesn't she, she, she well it was but indirectly because what happened is that she she it was actually sampled as a dancehall track by a Jamaican artist called Shelley yeah. Thunder yeah. so she thought either I can get away with this although she did pretend that this had somehow leaked it wasn't officially released this record but well, it was maybe, I can get away with this what she didn't know was that Shelley Thunder's song was based on Baby Can I Hold You Tonight from from the from Tracy Chapman's uh, uh, first album so uh, or or the one that won the, the the Grammy Award, so she she was kind of kind of nobbled, wasn't she? But, but, but what what I was interested in, where where looking into this further, was apparently Tracy Chapman is well known for not clearing samples, and there are certain artists who who you really sample at your peril. Yeah. And so there is a there is a, a website called don'tsampleme.com. Um, you know, which is lists all the people that you really shouldn't go near or all the copyright owners that you really shouldn't go near because they won't settle at all. They will they will take you to court. I thought it was really interesting. It is fascinating. This is gonna of course you you read the story that Tracy Chapman's got three hundred thousand pounds or whatever it is. And you think, well, she's done all right out of this, and then you think, no, yeah, if you hire a few lawyers and you, you have the odd deposition or whatever. You've soon got There's not much that. left. There's not a lot, of a lot people, left. People have got yachts to buy, haven't they? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> I know. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, David Bowie, you were talking to me about David Bowie. Oh, well, yeah, I was watching the two things on um, 
on BBC Four, which I thought were great, actually, five years. And uh, one, I think, called The Genius of David Bowie. Uh, I, oh, God, I thought they were fantastic. They're mostly just uh, live performances from owned by the BBC and, and interviews on the BBC. And he's just so funny. And he writes that, at times, very harrowing, you know, elliptical, complicated, quite harsh music. And yet he's still got the confidence to present himself as this, what he is, or was, which is a very, very, very funny and entertaining and upbeat and flip, wasn't he? An optimistic yeah, character. Yeah. So likable, he's so funny. There were a couple of things that I'd forgotten, which I thought were really interesting. One was the story of My Way. Do you remember that story? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, in 1968, um, he, when he was a kind of scuffling kind of artist hanging around Denmark Street, uh, somebody offered him the chance to... Re At that time, everyone was... The, the vogue was to take songs that already existed, European hits yeah, and write yeah. English lyrics. Hence, uh, you know, you don't have to say you love me. And he was offered the chance to rewrite a song called Com Dabitude. Oh, yeah, or just write words for it. Write uh, words for it. I mean, I I say, I'm sure if you go to France, in France, they're doing this all the time with hits from America and England. Yeah, I'm sure they are. Because it doesn't go on that much going the other way around. No, it doesn't. Anyway. But anyway, he wrote these these songs, hoping to make a big pile of cash out of it, and was told that they were absolutely terrible. And the job was then given again subsequently to Paul Anker, who wrote the lyrics which yeah. were my way. And Frank Sinatra had a huge hit in 1969. I thought that was interesting. I completely forgot that he was involved with that. And the other thing was that it's a really touching in 2013 for a track. Uh, I think it was Where Are We Now. Um, He's wearing in the video, do you remember this, uh, a T-shirt with, with, with the words on it, uh, song, song for Norway. Do you remember that? Song uh, of oh, Norway. Right. right. Oh, and that's a it was, it? It was a, yeah, and it's a message to his old girlfriend, Hermione Farthingale. And you remember, he was in a group called Feathers, with this kind of yeah, very yeah, fey, yeah, kind yeah, of yeah. Jack Brell, kind of mime folk music act, a trio. And he was having a major love affair with her. And uh, which, again, is an interesting story. You know, there was this really, really posh girl with a solicitor father who the family disapproved of Bowie enormously, thought he was a chancer. Thought he was a, you know, I thought he was a liability. Quite right. Sorry, in the mid sixties, if you were called Hermione, you were posh. Oh right? yeah, Hermione. Nowadays, the, every other girl child is called Hermione because of Harry Potter. Because Harry that, Potter. No, those days you were posh. <laughs> I know, and, uh, and it's so funny. Somebody did track her down a few years ago in an interview, and he said, "Oh, she, I absolutely adored him. I never speak about. Her. I absolutely adored him." So, but you know, he was kind of. Quite old school, you know, he wanted his hot meals on the table at seven o'clock and he wanted his shirts ironed and he believed in rampant promiscuity for him. <laughs> <laughs> so, so when she eventually took the job, she was offered a job, she was a ballet dancer and, and kind of actress, and she was offered this job of, uh, uh, as a part of her part in Song of Norway. And went off and did it, and fell in love with a with a fellow actor, and that's what broke his. Oh, he's completely oh, ghost, broke his heart. It was really interesting, actually. So he never really kind of got over it, you know. And I thought it was really touching that there he was towards the end of his life, sending out this little message to her that only she would understand. And I think also it's uh, it's something that 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 is part of the natural cycle. Possibly in all of us, Leonard Cohen did the same thing, didn't he? At the end of his he life, did. got back in touch with Marianne, you know, yeah. and. Um, you know, there's uh, the, in, in, in High Fidelity by Nick Hornby, when he's going through that kind of low point, he kind of calibrates his life by going back to all his old girlfriends, doesn't he? 
and re, re uh, meeting up with them, trying to find out who he is. You know, and I thought I thought it was really ne- tough. never a good idea. Not a great idea. Not a great idea. But there we are. Letter to Hermione. There's a song uh, that he wrote to her in which she's immortalised, which we were talking yeah. about the other week, weren't we? Yeah. And there and there are lots more of them. You know, my they, Sharona, the story of my Sharona. Oh, of course, right. Yeah, go on. My Sharona is a girl called Sharona Alperin, who was a real estate agent, and she was the inspiration for the for the Knack song written by Doug Feger. And it was really sweet, and she absolutely loved. Well, she hated the possessive my. She wasn't very oh, keen yeah. on that, oh, yeah. but she was very keen to be remembered, to be immortalised in the songs. I wonder if she puts it on her business cards. You would, wouldn't you, in America? You think you would, too. If you're you're a real estate agent, you'd... uh, Yeah, you would, It's a heck of a calling card, though. Yeah. And the girl, Valerie, there's a girl called Valerie Starr, who's a makeup artist. Who went out with Dave McCabe from the Zootons, who wrote the song that, you know, something a huge hit for... And they were both really happy with it. They both made the same point when they were they were interviewed about it, that, that in the age of social media, it would be totally different. Your life would be incredibly invaded by something like that. But when it happened that long ago, people just discovered. They found out, uh, you yeah. know, later on. Yeah. And uh, they're both very happy. With it. Although it must be very odd, if you're called Sharona, people would go, oh, you mean like the song, My Sharona? You you have to say, go, well, actually, funny weirdly, <laughs> funny you should mention that, it's written about me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's my tune. So this week also seen the death of, of Jerry Marsden, who I think was still married to the same person, wasn't he? Yes, he was. From yeah. way back, you know, because... He's uh, a good story, Jerry Marsden, I think. Because, you know, he, he had all those hits in the early 60s, you know, uh, How Do You Do It and I Like It, both by Mitch Murray, and, and then um, obviously You'll Never Walk Alone, which was from Carousel, wasn't it, Rogers and Hammerstein? But so he never, I mean, I don't know how much money he made. He didn't write <laughs> any of those. But he effectively sort of went into Panto in 1967, didn't he? I mean, he, he wasn't I making suppose. records after that. In 1967, he started in Panto. And yet is, I mean, through You'll Never Walk Alone, um, you know, the Hillsborough fundraising. Very, uh, but also, you know, he, he's very cross the Mersey is also a very significant. Song. That's true. No, that's he's true. Popping up all the time. And he did write that, didn't he? Yes, he, he did. Wrote he wrote that. He, he wrote yeah, that. Yeah, so that was. So he's fun. had, I mean, unbelievably enduring fame, hasn't he, for an incredibly long time? It is on the basis of doing not that that, that many songs. You don't really. need to. No, you don't need to. In pop music, and it's people's memories that give you a life. But um, and Nick's yeah. George Harrison's girlfriend. Oh yeah, oh, brilliant. Yeah, George Harrison came back off tour. Can't remember what her name was, and uh, and he was met, and they were big pals, and uh, and. Uh, Jerry met him and he said, uh, so I've got good news and bad news. It's the good news, I'm in love. Bad news, I'm in love with your girl. <laughs> but George would have George would have taken it on the on the chin, wouldn't he? I think, yes, know. I think I think George went on to carry on a, an energetically heterosexual career, didn't he? I yes, he did. I, I don't think he uh, yeah, know, I don't think he let the grass grow. And your girl being stolen by another man became a kind of a signature that yeah, uh, didn't, yeah. didn't remotely bother. Shrugged so off. I saw Jerry Marsden live at the Liverpool Wimbledon Cup final in whenever that was. Yeah. Late 80s, is that right? Yeah. And he came on the pitch to sing You'll Never Walk Alone in front That's of brilliant. the Liverpool faithful. And it was, it was, you know, it was a shivering moment. That was quite incredible. Su- quite something, you know, because here's the secret of You Never Walk Alone. It's a really good song. It's a fantastic it's song. It's a fantastic song. 
It just every single. I don't think I've ever listened to the original Rodgers and Hammerstein, so I'm going to have to go back and listen to it. Oh, uh, yeah, I saw. Well, I saw. The idea that it's from a musical and someone identified that as being a classic anthem. It's brilliant. Yeah, I don't know if it was at the time. I think it was picked up much later. Yeah. Um, But by God. God, it's a good song. It's an incredible song. So, Jerry Marsden, you know, um, we salute you. This is a junction in the Word podcast. It separates that bit from this next bit. Here we go. Any other business? We're joined by Alex. Hello. How are you doing, Alex? Well. Hey, Magic. I wanted to ask you, Alex, about this story that, that gripped me in the last week. As a classical piano player called Angela Hewitt. I think she's Canadian. Uh, and uh, she's terribly good. And uh, she lost her piano, didn't she? In a in a bizarre piano accident, didn't she, Mark? It was it dropped. Was, it was, it was, was a, dr- someone was transporting it to a concert, I think, and they dropped the piano. That's bad. They won't be rehired, will they? It's, it's, oh my god! So you, you know, if you're a piano player, this clearly you know, it can't just be replaced easily, you know, and. Um, and so she got uh, the piano manufacturers, they, they prepared five pianos for her, okay? This is, gives you an idea of the scale of the deal here. Five, this is a top-end Italian piano manufacturer. Right, these have got to be your best work. This is going to Angela Hewitt. You know, there will be publicity about this. This has got to be faultless in every way. So they prepare, they finally decide they've got five pianos that they're prepared to show, not to her, but to her tuner. She they they her think own, they're good enough. They think of all the ones they rejected that weren't good enough. There's the five. That's right. the, what is it, the fish John West rejects? Yes, that makes that John makes West the, the best. The best. Uh, yeah. And uh, so five of them are presented to her piano tuner, who presumably just walks down, hits middle C or something. <laughs> on each one. And immediately, this is the bit of the story that fascinates me, immediately dismissed three of them. Don't, no interested in those three. They may be your best work. They're not good enough for me and my client, okay? And then, and then it presented the two to her to choose. Explain that to me, Alex, on behalf of Planet Musician. Right, you know, so um, her piano tuner is going to be the guy, obviously, who ma- maintains her instrument to her specifications. Now, she's going to want a certain um, certain timbre, a certain kind of key weighting um, when she plays the piano that, that feels and sounds right to her. So, for example, when I, my old acoustic guitar got smashed to smithereens on, on, on tour by a flight case and I got a new one. Uh, and it took about six months to find the right one, according to the, the criteria that I felt made the right instrument for me. Um, so, um, you know, uh, for a guitarist, it a luthier that you go to regularly to maintain your guitar knows exactly what kind of action you want, uh, you know, the height of the strings. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, all that kind of stuff. Her tuner is going to know exactly <laughs> to, to the sort of micro dimension, what what she's going to want from her instrument. So if three of those pianos were, you know, a, a, just a little bit out, it just felt wrong on the uh, on the fingers. Yeah, it, it's, yeah, he's going to know. He's going to be. He's going to know. That. I thought it was absolutely amazing, you know. And then he presented to her with two, 
and she she immediately decided which one she, which one she wanted and it was really moving she posted um she posted clips on youtube of her of her first kind of performance with it you know in her in her house it was very moving to see you know artist and an instrument it would but so much of your Life as a classical musician is your association with that instrument, isn't it? Yeah. Violin players, famously, I've got a friend who's in a violin quartet, and you know, he'd, I went and had a drink with him, and he, he had the violin with him. He'd been recording that day, he had it with him and on his knee, kind of clutching it because you know, if you lost that, your entire life is wrapped up in it. Not just its um, its value uh, and the insurance you have to pay, but the, the your relationship with playing it, the sound it makes, you know. And the, and that traditionally the, the classical musicians sell their violins, don't well, they? Well, violin, the yeah, so, yeah, yeah, they, they um, well, the way they talk about, about popping your fiddle, don't they? To uh, you know, if you've got a debt crisis, you can pawn yeah. it or something. Uh, but yeah, they're traditionally. I was told this by a guy from the musicians' union only about twenty, only about twenty years ago. He said violinists still do that when they retire; they sell their instrument because that's their pension. Out <laughs> of what you know what they can get for it. It's absolutely extraordinary. On the classical music tip, I can remember we published a piece in, uh, in Q magazine in the 80s about classical music. Fantastically good piece. And it talked about the difference in characters between the people who played certain instruments. And uh, the, the really different characters were the brass players, who were these kind of really kind of loud and kind of shouty and exhibitionist types, but also tended to have the worst drink problems. Yes. And they said the reason for that, which I thought was really interesting, is if you're a violin player, there's probably eight of you, and that, that's just the violins. And you're also you're playing, you're embedded in a, in, a, in a whole string section with cellos and violas, etc. And you're therefore playing with other people all the time, and you tend to be playing most of the time. The strings are in classical music are, tend to be in most movements, but, but, but if you're a brass player, you can have two whole movements where you don't play at all, and then there's absolute silence, <laughs> and you have to come in and hit a top C. False. And that's a pitch note. It's not like a piano where you know which key you press. You've got a pitch to hit that note. You said that the nervous strain of 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 being a trumpet player or whatever is so great. These guys go straight to the bar afterwards and tip down very, uh, several pines. Oh, it's quite interesting, really. Presumably, like the guy who plays the triangle is the is the most pissed person <laughs> in the orchestra because you know he's standing there for hours. Until he just and then ding, that's right, you know, and it's live, it's live on radio, and you're at the Royal Albert Hall or whatever, you know, yeah. fantastically interesting. So, talking of music and the music industry, I see Music Week is no longer going to be published weekly, and this is the trade paper for people who don't know. Well, everybody knows Music Week, don't they? Because we've all remember the days when you used to go to a record shop. And you'd look at the chart. Yeah, yeah, the center, central pages <laughs> would be stuck up on the wall, wouldn't they? But we were smash it, it was the Bible, wasn't it, though? He's got Music Week and he'd find out what the airplay charts, what was likely to be a hit, what was going to be a hit, what the release records were, because you had to work out what was going to be on the cover of Smash Hits that in two weeks' time hopefully would be on top of the pops. It was a yeah. complicated equation, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Well, and it's still going to be called Music Week, even though it's monthly, which struck me as interesting because, in fact, Entertainment Weekly, I think, is a monthly too, isn't it? I, I, I think it probably sure it is. is. I think it probably is nowadays. Entertainment Weekly is a monthly. I, I certainly still call it Entertainment Weekly. I don't know if there are any Australian listeners who can tell us this, but Australia's biggest women's magazine used to be Australian Women's Weekly, and it was a monthly. Um, that that was the case many many years ago. Yeah, yeah. But it was still proudly called Australian Women's Weekly. Right. <laughs> so uh, presumably they're going to do the same thing with Music Week. 
And it won't be easy, you know, because that kind of information that used to be really hard to find, or you can only find it through Music Week, nowadays you can't keep it away, you know. Yeah. It's available absolutely everywhere. So uh, what have we got going on in the world of Word in, in your attic, Word in your ear? Over the next over the next week, we've recorded some uh, further Word in your attics, haven't we, which uh, are yet to fly. We, did, uh, we were recording with Mike Batts. Actually, talking of Mike Batts, did I ever tell you about my great idea? Oh, go on. Go on. I didn't have the nerve to turn this, but um, I had an idea that you could do um, an Oasis tribute album in the style of the Wombles, right? You know what it'd be called? Go on. What's the story, Tobermory? <laughs> That's good. You drop it. You got his email. Drop him a line. Suggest that. Tell him just just take one percent. Yeah. That's incredibly funny. That's, very no, that's still to come out, isn't it? Mike Bat, we recorded that. And Tom Holland, the historian, we've, oh, we've recorded. Terrific, terrific. Both, both fantastic. Yeah, they're really uh, good. And where, what have we got coming yeah, up? Graham the Gouldman, the 10th coming up. Graham Gouldman coming up soon. And uh, the great Andy, Andy Miller from uh, Andy Backlisted Miller. Podcast. Yeah. He's going to be So really loads of things going on. And so if you want to make sure that you catch all of them and you catch them early and you see them when they are there to be seen, like you would be seeing this if you are. If you are signed up to be a Patreon supporter, which you can do by going to patreon.com slash word in your ear and find further details. You can join at any level that suits you, sir or madam. Uh, and you can also take part in our, in our Friday night quiz, which is fast becoming a, a staple of many people's a week, isn't it, Alex? It is. More and more people joining it all the time. And uh, we started again after Christmas. And so we we uh, we had the kind of finale of the uh, 2020 competition. The pie winner. The pie winner. A tremendous pork pie made uh, by some pals of ours in Norfolk. Yeah, and uh, and so we start again, and now so we're in the second week. So you can join us in the third week. So Patreon.com/slash Word in Your Ear uh, to find out what's going on and how you could be part of it. Thanks very much for tuning in. Cheers. This podcast was brought to you by The Word. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.